Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day from our correspondents from around the world. I'm Wang Zihang. Coming up in this edition, the first face-to-face meeting between Chinese and European leaders in four years has wrapped up in Beijing, with both sides hailing the positive results. Residents in the southern Gaza city of Khan Yunis have reported fierce fighting between Israel and Hamas. And a disgruntled job seeker is believed to have been behind a recent shooting spree in Las Vegas. We start with the 24th China-EU summit in Beijing. The summit is the first face-to-face meeting between Chinese and European leaders in four years' time. Before heading back to Europe, European Council President Charles Michel and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen held a press conference at the European Union delegation to China in Beijing. Earlier, the Chinese Foreign Ministry said settling differences through dialogue is important for the development of China-EU relations. Jiang Chunying has more. This is the first in-person China-EU summit in almost four years. During the pressure,、uh, President of the European Council Charles Michel said a stable bilateral relation meets the needs of both people, and he reiterated the continent's support to the One China principle as well. And for her part, a President of European Commission von der Leyen said the Europe does not want to, in her words, decouple with China, and she called the two sides to. Enhanced cooperation in fields of、uh, green development as well as artificial intelligence. Let's take a listen. We have just concluded our EU-China summit, and first I would like to thank President Xi and Prime Minister Li for hosting us today. The EU and China, we have a shared interest in a stable and constructive relationship, and this must be based on respect for the international rules-based order. We discussed our trade and economic relationship. The EU and China are major economic partners and global powerhouses. We trade over two billion euros in goods every day. We like competition. It makes us better. It lowers prices. It's good for the consumers. But competition needs to be fair. We insist on fair competition within the single market. Therefore, we also insist on fair competition from companies that come to our single market. And that willingness to seek more common grounds was also shared by Chinese side. And during another presser held by Chinese officials,、uh, who spoke highly of the achievements that have been made in bilateral trade over the past two decades, citing two-way trade has grown by six times and the two-way investment by over fivefold, and called for more collaborations in this regard. And also during the briefing,、uh, Chinese officials said that、uh, China also expressed concerns to the EU side on its de-risk. And restrictive economic and trade policies.、Uh, for example, the anti-subsidy investigations against Chinese electric vehicles,、uh, as well as its 5G policies.、But、the Chinese side has urged the EU to、uh, ensure openness of its trade and investment market、uh, to provide an equitable and non-discriminatory business environment. And the EU side has committed that it would not decouple from China or、uh, turning worse, and would follow the WTO rules and the principles. That was Jiang Chunying on the China-EU summit. Turning to the latest developments of the Palestine-Israel conflict, residents in the southern Gaza city of Khan Yunis have reported fierce fighting between Israel and Hamas. Israel says its forces killed a number of gunmen in the city, 
Palestinian health officials say three Gazans were killed in an Israeli airstrike on a house. Videos and photos that could not be independently verified appeared on Israeli TV, showing what it said were captured Hamas fighters sitting in a Gaza city street. However, some Palestinians recognized their relatives in those images and denied they had any links to Hamas or any other group. Sarah Coates has more from Tel Aviv. The military has been saying that fighting is intensifying, taking place right across the Strip. The army. Has just released some video of what it says are airstrikes on armed militants in the north. While there are also un- unverified pictures circulating on social media, which appear to show、uh, large numbers of young men. This is near the Jabalia refugee camp, also in the north. That their hands are tied behind their backs. And they are sitting on the road now. Look, we do understand,、uh, according to、uh, Israeli sources, it hasn't been verified or clarified or commented on by the Israeli mil- military. But the military believes that these are Hamas operatives. There are then reports that these men were put in the back of trucks and taken away and potentially interrogated. Now, as I said, there's been no comment yet. From the Israeli military on this, but look, social media is absolutely flooded right now with these pictures. But look, fighting is also continuing right down in the south in Khan Yunus. This is where Israel believes senior Hamas operatives are hiding, including the leader of Hamas in the Gaza Strip, Yaya Sinwar. The military says it's completely surrounded his home in Khan Yunus, but he isn't believed to actually be home. The Israeli Military believes he's hiding in one of these underground tunnels. But look, he is Israel's most wanted man. The military continues to say that he has a target on his back. It will hunt him down and kill him. And look, Sinwar is very familiar with the Israeli system. He speaks Hebrew very fluently. He was incarcerated in Israeli prisons for two decades,、uh, so he certainly、uh, probably wouldn't be an easy person to catch. But Israel is adamant that it will hunt him down and kill him. That was Sarah Coates reporting from Tel Aviv. More on the Israel-Palestine conflict. The recent clashes between Israel and Hamas have resulted in the deaths of hundreds of Palestinians in Gaza. Noah Harazin has more about the situation on the ground. The death toll here in Gaza over the past week, since the ending of the truce agreement, has reached 2,214 people that were killed, including 724 children, which means that. Uh, more than 100 children were killed here in Gaza every day, every single day since the end of、uh, the truce. Talking about the latest here on the ground,、uh, let's begin with northern Gaza. Even though the Israeli tanks withdrew from some areas in central Gaza and、uh, west Gaza, but still there is intensive Israeli. Attacks on Jabalia refugee camp and also Ashijaya neighborhood, which is located in uh, eastern uh, Middle Gaza. Paramedics and doctors there are talking about a big number of casualties, big number of people who were killed, and they are still、um, thrown in the streets. Actually, without any ambulances or any paramedic can reach them because of the shooting of、uh, Israeli snipers here in、uh, Middle Gaza. There is continuous Israeli bombings. Actually,、uh, some of the latest. Uh, strikes happened just around the Shahada、uh, al-Aqsa, where I am standing right now. Talking about the city of Khanyunis is now、uh, this city is the second、uh, biggest city here in the coastal enclave, and is being besieged by the Israeli、uh, tanks. They are taking control of its main roads, and apparently they are heading or they want to go to reach 
the uh, Al-Nasser Medical Complex in a scenario that is so close to uh, the Ashifa Hospital scenario that happened in northern Gaza a few weeks ago. There was Nur Harazin on the grave humanitarian situation in Gaza. Turning to the Russian-Ukraine conflict, U.S. Republicans have refused to approve more funding for Ukraine. This after President Joe Biden asked Congress for more than $100 billion for Ukraine and other security needs. Ukrainian officials have said there is a high possibility Kyiv could lose the war if the U.S. Congress fails to approve new funding. Megumi Lim has more. Well, look, people here are concerned, soldiers are concerned, and Ukrainian officials are, of course, concerned. The war is about to enter into its third year, and the United States, the U.S. Congress has not uh, passed any new funding for Ukraine. And as we know, the United States has been the biggest donor of uh, weapons and military aid uh, for Ukraine throughout the war. And the fighting has not stopped, even though the winter season has settled in. And the fighting, although has slowed down because of uh, conditions on the ground, because of the snow and because of the cold weather, it has continued. And it doesn't help that this fighting has largely turned into an attritional one along the thousand kilometer long front line. Both Ukrainian and Russian forces have been firing thousands of artillery shells uh, at each other. Uh, trying to wear both sides down. And this is an incredibly exhausting way uh, to fight this war where we have not seen any significant gains or advances from uh, either side. And soldiers are, of course, wondering how long more can they continue on like this. And it is getting harder, especially uh, for Ukrainian forces to hold the line if there isn't more funding and assistance from the United States. And uh, Ukrainian forces also know that Russia has more manpower uh, to keep this war uh, going. So it is a huge concern. And uh, just yesterday, the United States uh, Secretary of State, uh, Anthony Blinken, announced that uh, there will be a new uh, defense aid package worth $175 million, which will come from a previously approved uh, presidential drawdown. And he said very clearly that this could be one of the last uh, defense aid packages for Ukraine if the U.S. Congress doesn't approve uh, any new funding. And this is, of course, a very sobering reality that Ukraine uh, has to face. And Andriy Yermak, who is Zelensky's chief of staff also, as he has been visiting Washington, uh, made a very clear statement to U.S. officials that if the U.S. Congress fails to uh, approve new funding for Ukraine swiftly, there is a very high possibility that Ukraine could lose the war against Russia. There was Magumilin in Kyiv. In North America, a potential motive is taking shape in the mass shooting on the Las Vegas University campus in the United States. The perpetrator is believed to have been a disgruntled job seeker in financial distress. Four people were killed and one injured in one state's attack. Disturbing new details show the shooter also had a fascination with conspiracy theories. Tony Waterman has more from Las Vegas. Officials in Las Vegas investigating whether Wednesday's mass shooting was one of revenge. The alleged gunman, 67-year-old Anthony Polito, a career professor with links to colleges in North Carolina and Georgia. According to multiple reports, he had applied for a job at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas in 2020, but was rejected. Police said Polito was armed with a 9mm handgun, which he had bought legally last year, and that he had brought 150 rounds of ammunition with him to the scene. 
We know he applied numerous times for a job with several Nevada higher education institutions and was denied each time. The suspect had a list of people he was seeking on a university campus, as well as faculty from the Eastern Carolina University. Police identified two of the victims, including 64-year-old business professor Cha John Chang and 39-year-old assistant professor Patricia Navarro-Velez, both shot in the head. The third victim's next of kin is still being located. The fourth victim, who survived the attack, has been downgraded to life-threatening condition. Our detectives learned prior to the shooting, the suspect had earlier visited a Henderson post office and sent 22 letters to various university personnel across the country with no return address. The first letter that we opened had an unknown white powder substance in it. A personal blog shows a fascination with unsolved mysteries and conspiracy theories, claiming to have identified the Zodiac killer and theorizing that the disappearance of Malaysia Airlines flight MH370 was a failed radical terrorist hijacking intended to destroy the Petronas Towers in Kuala Lumpur. Then we received a notification that uh, the shooter or shooters were at the student union, which is where we were. Cesar Marquez was in a meeting with about 70 students when the shooting started. He says they locked the doors, shut off the lights, and hid behind tables. There's some scary times when somebody, you know, tried to open the door, and we weren't sure if it was the shooter or if it was the, the police. Um, and then there were some sightings from, from either the SWAT team or the Metro Police, uh, giving somebody instructions to either run or get down. I wasn't sure. Classes have been canceled for the rest of the week as students and this community grapple with yet another instance of senseless bloodshed in America. There was Tony Waterman on the Las Vegas shooting. Finally to South America. Data shows the number of Colombian people declaring bankruptcy this year is one-third higher than last year. This may indicate harder times for Colombians, but some experts say the good news is that more people are using bankruptcy laws to recover. Michelle Begay has more. More than 4,500 Colombians declared bankruptcy from January to September 2023. With three months still left in the year, that number already represented a 33% increase from 2022. The biggest reason for this is the rise in interest rates because a person's debt grows as they get older and continues to grow as they approach 45 to 50 years of age. Those who maybe took out loans for housing last year are now swimming in debts. Interest rates went up, the cost of food went up, inflation rises and people start to have to choose between paying debts and purchasing their meals. There is no government data yet, but Colombia's IFI intelligence firm compiles bankruptcy statistics every year from the justice ministry, notaries, and information from more than 15,000 companies. The IFI study shows Colombians cite lack of work, financial disruption, loan sharks, credit card debt, and inflation as reasons why they declare bankruptcy. Other data revealed is that the average salary of the person declaring bankruptcy is 750 U.S. dollars to 1,500 U.S. dollars a month. One Colombian economist expects growth in bankruptcy. 
Although the unemployment rate has been falling, economic growth has fallen steeply from last year. We need two things, to contain the economic slowdown, and the government has to do a series of things to contain it, and secondly, to have patience in inflation rates because it won't get to the goals, and that is something we need to take into consideration when it comes to bankruptcy. Colombia's president has asked the central bank to lower interest rates to support economic growth, but the bank has maintained it at 13.25%. Luis Alberto Benitez, director of the firm Financial Intelligence and Insolvency, or IFI, says these numbers are a positive sign that Colombians are learning how to use the Colombian bankruptcy laws to help them restructure their financial lives. That was Michelle Begay reporting. Recapping today's headlines, the first face-to-face meeting between Chinese and European leaders in four years has wrapped up in Beijing, with both sides hailing the positive results. Residents in the southern Gaza city of Khan Yunis have reported fierce fighting between Israel and Hamas, and a failed job seeker in financial distress is believed to have carried out a recent shooting spree in Las Vegas, the United States. That's it for this edition of the Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to the Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. And Monsahang, thank you for listening.